0: Welcome to the Vertical Church Podcast. Now, here's Pastor Josh Butcher with today's message. All right, let's try that again. Uh, welcome, Vertical Church. We're so excited to have you here. Uh, in this series that we're doing, like I said, we're doing a song that's not really a Christmas song, but we're turning it into something to do with the Christmas message. And the thing about Joseph's story, Joseph being the, the stepfather of Jesus Christ, his name's not Joseph Christ, but you know what I'm saying, Um <laughs> His story is so interesting because if you read it and you read it in Matthew chapter one and two, so many times God speaks to Joseph in a dream. All the time. Joseph will be will be set to do something. I'm going to I'm going to divorce Mary. I'm not going to do it publicly because that would be disgraceful because I'm a good man. And, and I don't want to humiliate her and shame her. But I'm this isn't this isn't for me. And then God speaks to him in a dream, and he changes his mind. So we thought that, uh, you know, when you read the Joseph story, what better to do than an acoustic band song um, that's in the, the top forty? i tell you what, let's pray, and then we'll dive right into uh, the message today. Lord, we are so grateful that you have allowed us to be here today. God, I thank you for our kids. I thank you for each and every person who gives and sacrifices time and energy and 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 sweat to work and to, to teach. Not only our church's kids, God, but, but for me personally, my own kids. Um, I thank you for that, and I'm so grateful, God, uh, that they do that. God. And Lord, I pray that today, as we open up the Bible and we read about Joseph and Mary and baby Jesus and, and all that's going on in their life, I pray, God, that you would speak directly to us and show us somehow, some way, how we can grow closer and know you better. We ask it all, Lord, in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. 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 Kids, do you love kids? I love kids. I love my kids. <laughs> kids teach us so much. They, they, I'm not sure even in my own family who's doing more teaching in, in, in the house, my kids or me, because I learn so much from my kids. For example, we sometimes we will get home after being out doing whatever that we're doing, and we'll get home, and, and the routine is this. As soon as we, like, are pulling into the driveway in the van, I'll look, well, I won't look, because I'm driving usually, but I'll tell, the, I'll tell my two oldest sons, uh, Lex and, and Cole, I'll say, Lex and Cole, when we get home, you're going to take a bath, get your pajamas on, go to bed. It's late. You have school in the morning. Bath, pajamas, bed. That's it. No questions, no arguing. Bath, pajamas, bed. Bath, pajamas, bed. So they know this routine. Well, one time... We got home, it was probably, you know, actually really hitting close to their bedtime, actually maybe even a little bit past it. So I said that, bath, pajamas, bed. I thought they understood. I thought, surely I have made this so clear to my wonderful, obedient seven-year-old and four-year-old that there's no way they can misunderstand my instruction and my direction. Bath, pajamas, bed. Bed. So we go upstairs, or we, we go in the house, they go to the, to the bathroom, they, they're, I hear the water running, I'm like, okay, well they're good. So I go in the kitchen, I'm going to fix like a little snack, give me something to drink. And then I hear them near me. Mm-hmm. And I turn and look, and they are my wonderful, obedient, you know, God-given, grace-filled children butt naked, with their underwear on their heads, and they are dancing it around. Let me pause right here, I don't know if you're aware of this, but no matter how you design them, underwear are gross, okay? Let's just put it this way, let's put it this way, they hang out on the wrong side of town all day. So I look at them and I, I, and, I, and I say, boys, I'm trying not to get, you know, they're, they're little, they're seven and four, I say, hey, boys, please, take your underwear off your head, get in the bath, then we'll put pajamas on and go to bed. All right, so they, they left, and I thought, okay, we're, we're good. That's just a hiccup. It was a hiccup. They don't usually do that. It's just a hiccup. Well, I got my, my, my drink together or, or whatever, and, and just maybe a minute later, I'm, I'm, I'm walking into the living room, and I hear them walk. I hear the footsteps coming down the hall again, and I look, and they still have their underwear on their heads. They have not gotten in the bath. The water is filling up in the bathtub, and they're walking and dancing and running through the hallways with their underwear. On their heads. Well, after I threw up a little bit in my mouth, (laughs) I said with a little more urgency, I said, bath, pajamas, and bed, not dance around with your underwear on your head. You need to stop, repent of underwear head, and go get in the bath. Go get in the bath. And I Okay, a little more urgent, a little bit more direct, they're going to listen and obey. And and you know what happened? They did not. (laughs) They turned the other way and went into their room, dancing again, naked and underwear on their head. And so I elevated the level of my voice somewhat. I didn't yell because we don't yell in my house. And I, I repeated with an elevated tone, and and they got the point. Okay, they got the point. And what's the point of me telling you this story, right? Like besides, besides embarrassing my kids and making sure some counselor gets paid in about twenty years. (laughs) The point is this. This is what I'm saying, man. Kids just, just teach us so much. Because as I'm, as I'm thinking about that, I, I ask myself, you know, what is it? What is it about human beings, not just kids? Although if you have kids or been around kids, you can certainly testify to the truth and accuracy of this thought and this idea. What is it about us that makes obedience so difficult? What is it about us? What is it about the human condition? What is it about the human just makeup and, and who we are that makes obedience nearly seem impossible. It, you could almost say it seems as if we are wired to disobey. Those of you that have raised kids can you if you agree with that if you would say it seems like we as human beings from the very beginning are wired <laughs> to disobey instruction. Would you say amen? amen. Yeah, everybody's, telling, everybody's like, amen. <laughs> Dear God, you're going to help me today, Pastor. I've been trying to figure this thing out for years. Well, that's what we're going to, because, because when I read the Joseph story in Matthew, I read about a guy who was incredibly obedient. Just crazy, stinking. One, one instruction, one direction, no questions asked, just obeyed. And I And I'm thinking, what is that? How do I do that? How do I teach other people to do that? How do we get to the place where obedience is our default when it comes to God's voice, when it comes to his direction, when it comes to his instruction to our life, where our default, the the setting that we are on when we wake up in the morning is obey, obedience. Yes. So if you have your Bible, turn them to Matthew chapter 1. Uh, we're going to start in verse 18. Pastor Hope read this. We're going to read it again uh, as we read through the entire story of Joseph, Matthew 1 through the end of Matthew 2. If you don't have a Bible this week, there's so much scripture we could not put it on the back of the program, but we will have it all on the screen. And of course, if you have a smartphone with you, there's an app called YouVersion or the Bible app. If you just type in the Bible, it'll be one of the first apps that pop up regardless of whether you have Google Play or, or the, the App Store on, on Apple. Uh, if you click, there's a little link in there that says live, if you click that, you search for the word vertical, you can find all of the scriptures there, plus a way to take notes. And so we do that every week, if you're new, if this is your first or second time, every week we put that up there so you can follow along, however you come prepared to do that. And so uh, let me open my Bible uh, so I can be be ready, Matthew chapter 1, and we're going to take off in verse uh, verse 18. This is how, excuse me, this is how the birth of Jesus Christ came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be with child through the Holy Spirit. Can you imagine that conversation? Hey, Joseph, um, I know we're not married yet, and I know we haven't done what married couples do, but um, I'm pregnant and 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 I've never had sex. I, you know, Joseph's thinking, what? I, I barely made it out of a Hebrew school But I don't think that's possible <laughs> And then to top it off She says, oh by the way It's God's Oh, okay <laughs> And it's exactly what he says. Look, look, that's why he says, because Joseph, her husband, was a righteous man and did not want to expose her to public disgrace. Not only the public disgrace of, here's this woman who's not married and now she's having a baby. But also, here's this woman who's not married and having a baby and she thinks it's God's. Right? Okay. He had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife. Because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you're to give him the name Jesus, because he will save the world, save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said to the prophet. The virgin will be with child, and will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel. Love that name, which means God with us. For the last couple of weeks, we've really been keying in just on that name, Emmanuel. God with us. With us, God with us in the silent nights. God with us for people like us. And look at this. This is one of our kind of one of our key verses. Verse twenty four. When Joseph woke up, when he woke up, look what he did. He did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him, and took Mary home as his wife. But he had no union with her until she gave birth to a son, and he gave him the name Jesus. He 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 did exactly what the Lord told him to do, the angel of the Lord told him to do in the dream. So here's the first thing, if you're taking notes today on the back of your program or on the Verse app, here's the first thing that we learn about obedience in this story. God doesn't do details, but he's got every detail covered. God doesn't do details. Have you ever met a person who, who says, oh gosh, I don't really do details. I'm not really a detail guy. I'm kind of like that. I'm kind of a guy that sees the forest long before I can ever see the trees. I don't really, I don't really work well. I get bogged down in details. I'm kind of a big picture person. Have you ever met those people? Big picture people, vision people. I I don't really I struggle with details because I get bogged down. Have you ever have you ever read the Bible and kind of thought, man, maybe God is like that? Like, like, like God comes across as if he would say, I'm not really a detail guy. At times, God appears to be painfully vague. Look at, just, just look at his direction to Joseph. Hey, Joseph, here's what I want you to do. You know that little girl? I want you to take her as your wife and name of the boy Jesus. That's it. That's all of the direction that God gave Joseph because it looks like God is not a detailed guy. He doesn't give Joseph a step-by-step process. I imagine if I'm Joseph, I'd be like, hold up, God, what's the five-year plan? You know, you want me to raise your boy. I don't know about that. I don't think I'm really qualified. But what's the 10-year plan? What's the 20? Does he call me dad? Because that would be a little awkward. Can he just call me Mr. Joseph? I mean, what's the... I hear you, God. I see the big picture, but what's the plan? No, nothing. God just issues the command and expects Joseph to obey. doesn't tell him anything about Bethlehem. doesn't tell him that he's going to have to make this journey with a pregnant wife, get to the place, and not have reservations at the Holiday Inn. He's going to have to stay in a cave. God doesn't tell him this part God doesn't tell him that the baby's going to be born And he's not going to have a cradle to lay him in No, he's going to have to lay him in the feeding bowl For farm animals God doesn't tell him God doesn't tell him that, oh yeah, by the way When you have this child There's going to be a crazy king Who's going to want to murder you And kill you And you're going to have to move your family to Egypt For only I know how long (laughs) Didn't tell him any of that He just says, look Joseph Take Mary as you like, name the boy Jesus. You know, if I'm Joseph I'm Joseph, I'm thinking, God, could could you fill me in here? Could you could you fill in the blanks a little bit? Because why? Because we want details, especially when God is speaking to us. It's not enough for us to know that it's all going to turn out all right. Like many of us, those of us who walk with Jesus, we kind of have that faith, well, you know, I guess it's all just gonna turn out. All rising, but we want to know the hows and the what's. Joseph going to tell people when they ask him, Dude, "What are you doing?" Like, how's Joseph going to be able to explain his actions? Well, God told me. Really, that's all he's got. He has no. Did, was God winging it? Like when we read this story, I think, "Gosh, was was God winging it?" Was it? Because on the surface, it seems like God's attitude is just, hey, we'll deal with the details when the details come about. (laughs) We'll deal with the details as they come. And you know what? Life can feel that way sometimes. I don't know about you. I don't know if you've had that experience in your life. But in my life, it feels like sometimes God's just winging it. Like, I know the, the end game, I know the end goal, I know the, the, the picture of the future that I'm shooting at, but between here and there, that process looks like he's just making it up as we go along. And, and, and to be honest with you, that's not very reassuring, especially when you are risking a lot. Joseph is risking a lot. He's risking his reputation, he's risking his livelihood, he's risking his home because he's going to have to move to a foreign country in just a few verses. He's risking a lot, and yet as we continue to read, even though God doesn't seem to do details, God obviously had every detail covered. Because God doesn't do details, but he's got every detail covered. He had the end covered. He knew what he was going. To. He had Herod dealt with. And he he had he had the the Egypt trip planned out. He had made reservations on, you know, Camel Express to get Joseph and Mary and the and, and the, the newborn child to, to get them there. He had it all figured out every pitfall, every possibility, every, every detour that they were going to come across. He had, he had it figured out and he had plans in place to get them to their ultimate destination. And he has the same thing for you and me. He's got it planned out, but why doesn't he just go ahead and tell us? Like why, is he playing a game with us? What's going Why doesn't he just go ahead and spill it all? I don't, I can't guarantee you this is why, because I don't know the mind of God. I, don't, I can't get inside his head and think because he's a lot bigger than I am. But here's what I kind of think. This is what I suspect. I think God knows that there are some details that you and I are not ready for. We're not ready for it. We're not prepared for what it is going to mean. Our obedience would be difficult If we knew all the details of the process that we're about to walk into, we would be, we would, it would be more difficult for us to obey. If we saw that, let's just look at Joseph. Let's not like, let's get out of our own heads and out of our own experiences. Let's just look at Joseph, Joseph. God's going to lay out for you all of the details Joseph, you're going to have the baby in a cave covered in animal feces and animal food. Sound good? That's the detail. Joseph, you're going to have these strange foreigners come and, and, and worship. this. Not only that, but you're going to have the, when he's born, you're going to have the lowest of the low of society come and, and, and worship him. The, the shepherds, you didn't hang out with, him. you didn't tell people shepherds were your friends. They're going to be there, Joseph. How do you like that detail? You still want to go through with this? By the way, you're going to have to make a journey in the middle of the night and leave everything you know behind. How's that detail for you, Joe? Joe, is that good? You still game? You still want to obey? No, God doesn't tell him all of that because is Joseph ready for all of that? Or is Joseph ready for this simple, direct command? Take Mary as your wife. Name the boy Jesus. You see, God, here's what I think about God God is more concerned with our full obedience and not so much concerned with our full understanding. God is more concerned with your and mine's full obedience. He's more concerned with that than he is our full understanding. Because there are some details that you and I were just not ready for. So God has every detail covered, even though sometimes he communicates to us on a need-to-know basis. There are some things that you and I don't need to know in the moment. And God holds those back until the moment is right, and he issues another command for that detail. Let's continue reading the story. Look, this story gets even more bizarre. Verse 1 of chapter 2 After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, Where is the one who has been born king of the Jews? We saw his star in the east and have come to worship him. When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed, and all Jerusalem with him. When he called together all the people's chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them where the Christ was to be born. In Bethlehem and Judea, they replied, for this is what the prophet has written. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For out of you will come a ruler who will be the shepherd of my people, Israel. Look what Herod does. Herod, in verse 7, then he calls the magi secretly. And he finds out from them exact time the star had appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, go and make a careful search for the child. And look what he says. He says, as soon as you find him. As soon as you locate him, tell me, because I want to go worship him too. Which, if you know the end of the story, you're like, yeah, right. That's a funny-looking act of worship you got planned there here. Verse 9, after they had heard the king, they went on their way, and the star they had seen in the east went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold and incense and myrrh. And having been warned, where? In a dream, not to go back to Herod. Look what they did. They were warned in a dream, don't go back to Herod. Don't go that way again. They returned to their country by another route. I had this constant problem in my relationship with God. I believe that, that God... Owes me an explanation when he commands me to do something. I don't know if you struggle with that. I know it's kind of vulnerable. You don't really expect to hear a pastor say that that, that that I expect God to give me an explanation, but but I do. That's, that's something that that I struggle with. And, and, and this has caused me to expect God to explain himself rather than just saying, okay, God, I, I, I trust you. You're, you're, you're good to God. I don't need any explanation. The wise men are like this. The wise men just approach God, and, and we don't know the magi. We don't know where they came from, really. There's all kinds of theories and ideas. We just know that they came from the east, and God says, go home a different way. Well, if I'm one of those jokers, I'm asking God, well, is that way short? Because I'm on a time schedule here. I've got to get home as quickly as possible. Don't you know that's how men work? What's the fastest route possible? I made it in four hours and 32 minutes. That's six minutes faster than you made it last year. That's right. (laughs) You're going to have some of those conversations next week. (laughs) You're going to walk into the house and say, hey, how long did it take you? Six hours and 32 minutes. Oh, man, you found a shorter way. (laughs) Is it going to take longer, God? Is it going to be more dangerous? Am I going to get lost? I don't know that way, God. Am I going to get lost? Is there going to be some... That command doesn't make much sense to people who have just traveled a long journey. God, the easiest thing for us to do is just to go back the way we came. We know that way. We know that route. We know all of the turns. We know when to stop for food and when to stop for gas. We've got it all figured out. God says, no, 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 just trust me. You know, personally, I wish that every time God commanded me to do something. It came with an explanation. Like like God would say, you need to do blank. And if you do blank, here's what will happen. Like that that, that's, that works for me because I like to know kind of what's going to happen. But here's the thing about explanations. When you and I get an explanation, oftentimes it leads to a negotiation. All right, God, that's a good explanation, but let me negotiate and improve upon your plan. Let me improve upon what you said for me to do. But see, with explanations turn into negotiations, the only thing you're left with is frustration. And there are a lot of frustrated followers of Jesus because they engaged in negotiations with a God who was not negotiating. And they're frustrated because what they really needed to do was simply obey what God said. Obey his voice. But they didn't because it didn't make sense. They wanted to uh, negotiate with God and so they're frustrated. Sometimes God will tell you to do stuff that doesn't make a lick of sense. He'll tell you to give money when you have very little money in the bank. He'll tell you to give it. He'll tell you to, to stop. And engage this person in a conversation, even though you're already running late for an appointment. It doesn't make any sense, God. I shouldn't do that. I'm already late. I'm going to be later. And he's just saying, look, would you just slow down? God will tell you to forgive somebody, even though you don't feel like forgiving. God will tell you not to take a promotion at your job because he sees something you don't see. And even though it doesn't make a bit of sense and it means you're going to actually leave money on the table, God will tell you to do that. So here's the second thing if you're taking notes. We don't need an explanation from God to obey his voice when he speaks. We don't need an explanation. And here's why because if we believe that God is holy, that he is above and beyond what we can think or know or imagine, if we believe he's holy and we believe he is good, then we have to believe that every command, every piece of instruction, is going to be both both holy and good. It's going to be better than what we thought, and it's going to be for our greater good. So God doesn't owe you and me an explanation. But here's what we want: we want it. Not only do we want an explanation, but we want a choice. We're like, have you ever have you ever gone into the voting booth, like when you go to vote, um, and? And sometimes people go in there and dude they've got they've got every candidate analyzed and they know exactly who they're going to vote for and, and party affiliation means nothing because they're they're lining up on issues and they're just, you know, they're all and then other people walk in, they don't have a clue. They don't have a clue of what's going on, and they're called straight ticket voters. Straight party voters. They go in, they, they they know that there's a party that lines up with their, their political opinions, and so they just said, Well, I'm going to vote because of my party. I'm just going to straight ticket vote. You know what God wants? God wants straight ticket voting. Not like politically from you. I'm saying in his in his voice and word to you. God wants you to operate with him on a straight ticket. God, it doesn't matter what you say. My answer is yes, before you even say it. I'm not going to look for an explanation because he's not interested in our picking and choosing. You see what I'm saying? It's like, oftentimes this is what we'll do. We'll go into the, the, the voting booth with God, right? And and God will God will say, look, trust me. Whatever the circumstance, whatever the situation, trust me and obey me and do what I say. And we're like, all right, cool. And we'll get in the booth and he'll say, all right, bring the tithe into the church. And we'll go, ah, Oh, about that. I'm gonna leave that one blank. And he'll say, he'll say, forgive your friend. He'll say, ah, I'm not really feeling that one, God. I'm gonna I'm just gonna leave that one blank. Or I'm gonna I'm gonna choose something else. Or he'll, say, he'll he'll say, you know that neighbor that you see every day that you make small talk with over the fence? Why don't you tell them and share with them about my love? And we'll go, ah, that could get awkward. Ah, I'm gonna leave that blank. God, God doesn't want boxes left blank on our ballot. He He, he wants yes. Now, what did you say? God, I, I came into the booth. Before, before I even read what I was voting on, I knew that, that I'll line up with your opinion. Bam, I'm good whatever you tell me to do. Yes, simple obedience. And that's where we're going to, next. Look at this. The, let's read the next two verses. Verse 13. I called my son. That's an amazing act of obedience. In my my view, look, I've never moved in the middle of the night. I have moved in the middle of Christmas in a Ford Taurus, and that was excruciating. (laughs) I can't imagine. I bet they had to leave stuff behind. You can't can't pack up all that stuff in one night, the middle of the night. I bet they had to leave a bunch of stuff. That's just amazing to me. And here's the third thing. You're taking notes. Here's the third thing. Specific instructions demand simple obedience. Specific instructions demand simple obedience. When when it comes down to it, the the amazing thing about obedience is it's not even that complicated. It's actually really, really simple. Because specific instructions demand simple obedience. And and you don't even have to, like, we're not even talking about the big things in life. Like, the, the huge, overarching big deals. Look, All day, every day, there are all sorts of small things and small ways that God is speaking to us and things he's asked us to do and be obedient. I think that is probably the most overlooked and underappreciated part of our faith. Just these small acts of obedience, being obedient in the small details of life. Because here's what I've learned about God. God God will will ask us to take small steps of obedience long before he ever asks us to take a giant leap of faith. You can't take a leap of faith without first getting comfortable with small steps of obedience. Anybody that's raised a child knows that. You don't expect a child to take off running and jumping. No, you expect a child to take small, teeny, tiny steps. Specific instructions demand simple obedience. Oh, why world changing crazy out of this world of simple obedience? Just do the next thing he tells you. So, what specific instruction is God giving you today? Regarding your family, what is he saying? Right now, regarding your job, what specific instruction is he giving you today regarding your circle of influence, regarding your possessions or your future or your relationship with him? What what is he saying and how can you take a small step of obedience today? Don't calculate, don't don't negotiate, don't hesitate, don't try to delay it and figure it out. Just do whatever he told you and is telling you. To do you know there's this idea I grew up in the, I grew up in the church and so I heard, I hear this idea all the time and I get it I understand it but I disagree with it there's this idea that as a mature follower of, of Christ that you enter into a realm of relationship with him where you can argue with him. Where, 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 you can, he can say something. You're like God. I don't like that, and you, you engage in this argument. And I get it. I understand the sentiment. We are in relationship with God. We can have conversation with God. He is our friend. But here's the thing about a relationship with God. You see, my wife, who's playing the the, the keyboard and singing, Pastor Hope. If she asks me to do something, I can argue with her because this is a relationship of equals. But when God asks me to do something, this is not a relationship of equals. You see what I'm saying? Like with her, I can argue with her and she can argue with me because we're equal. But when God declares something, he is the creator and I am the creation. I have no business arguing with him. I have no place. The creation, the, the pot that a potter makes does not look at the potter and say, what are you doing? I am the creator. He is the creator. When he says, do it, (laughs) I'll argue. Now, am I I hardwiring for disobedience to argue? Yeah, but that's not supposed to be normal. The farther and, and longer I walk with Jesus, the more obedient I am to become. So that when he issues a command, when he issues a word, I say, yes, that's the sign of maturity. The sign of maturity is not "y'all argued with God and finally relented." No, the sign of maturity is God spoke and I did it without ever questioning. Well, that sounds naive. It is. It is. It's a naive trust that God knows exactly what He's doing. Let's see how this story turns out. We gotta, we gotta wrap this thing up. All right, here we go. Uh, when Herod realized that he had been outwitted by the magi, he was furious and he gave orders to kill all the boys in Bethlehem and his vicinity who were two years old and under in accordance with the time he had learned from the Magi. Then what was said through the prophet Jeremiah was fulfilled. A voice is heard in Ramah weeping in great mourning. Rachel weeping for her children and refusing to be comforted because they are no more. You know what I like about the Christmas story? The thing I like about the Christmas story is that it does not occur in a world void of suffering. And, and Joseph's decision to obey God and the Magi's decision to be obedient to the word of God does not come in a world that has no evil. It comes in a world, the story is written in a violent landscape where evil is constantly trying to take out the work of God. And God is issuing words to Joseph and Magi and you and me in a world that's trying to kill Jesus. And his word is issued to us to preserve Jesus. You know, I think Herod gets a bad rep sometimes. I think so. You know, we make Herod out. You see him in like Christmas plays and and. and and, and pageants and stuff. And he's like this really mean guy. And he was, don't get me wrong. The reason I say he gets a bad rep is because um, we we like to point and scoff at Herod and his act of disobedience when the reality is inside each of us, Herod lives. Herod is inside of you. You know that internal conflict you have between between willfully and joyfully accepting the work and plan of God in your life? And then that dark side of you that always wants to reject God's plan—what What is that? That's Herod. That's Herod. What's this story about? It's, this story is about all sorts of different kinds of things and today this story is about the simple act of obedience. Joseph preserving, protecting Guiding, caretaking, welcoming, accepting the presence of Jesus. Herod, disobedience, rejecting, killing Jesus. It'd be really easy to say, Which one are you? And we would all say, I want to be Joseph. Here's what I think I think there's both in all of us. I think we're this weird mix of Joseph, God, I want you, whatever you say, yes, and Herod. I don't know about that. This is going to be inconvenient. And a rejection of his plan. It's like, it's like oftentimes we choose the the voice of rejection over the voice of the creator I want, I want to give you one last kind of bonus thing because, because it turns out that the whole story has a happy ending at this point verse 19 after Herod died an angel of the Lord appeared in a train again a train to Joseph in Egypt and said get up take the child and his mother and go to the land of Israel for those who are trying to take the child's life are dead So he got up, took the child and his mother, and went to the land of Israel. Here's here's kind of the bonus thought for the day. The great opportunities of tomorrow require the unreasonable obedience of today. Yeah, you got a great plan. You got a 10-year, 20-year, 50-year plan. That's awesome. You're never going to get there if you're not simply obedient today. Amen. We get it so backwards. We want God to first give us the great opportunity, and then we will demonstrate great obedience. And God says, and work that way. Look, if I give you a million dollars to be generous today, that ain't going to help you because you can't be generous with your own paycheck that you receive every week. Why would I do that, God would say? Why would, I, why, would I, why would I send you to the Middle East to die for your faith when you won't even share it with the person next door? Great opportunities require simple, unreasonable obedience. Obedience. So here's what I want to do. I'll, I want everybody to participate in this for the next, what, 15, 16 days. Christmas experiment a Christmas experiment here's what it's called yes that's the experiment yes when God says something for the rest of the year when God gives you a direction when the Lord tells you to do something our response yes yes so Christmas I'm not asking you to do it for the rest of your life I'm not going to ask you to make a commitment for 50 years of yes God I'm asking you for 16 days that's it. Sixteen. Give it a shot for a little more than two weeks. When God speaks to me, I'm not going to. I'm not going to uh, debate. I'm not going to argue. I'm just going to say yes, and I'm going to do it. And I guarantee you this. this I don't guarantee you lot, but I guarantee you this. It will revolutionize your life. Absolutely revolutionized it. God, I'm not going to delay. I'm not going to put it off. When you say it, I'm going to do it. Even the slightest nudge. Yes. Yes. Let me pray for you this morning. Thank you so much for joining us today. We always appreciate hearing how God is moving in your life. We all have a story to tell, and we'd love to hear yours. Please visit verticalchurch.tv and click on the little pencil icon called Amen Corner